Uh, let me open this up in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks that we can come and consider uh, your attributes again uh, as we study it, as we look at your word, as we consider who you are. We pray that you would open our eyes. We pray that it would be a worshipful experience. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're going to be talking about the truthfulness and faithfulness of God. Um, it's continuing our series on uh, the attributes of God, of, of beholding God, of rightly considering God. Um, and so, yeah, let me just read the introduction for us. Um, so there are a lot of competing truths all around us. Uh, some people believe in no God, some people believe in many gods, others still in just one God. Some people believe that sex before marriage is permissible, others believe it's a sin. Uh, and this is not just a modern problem, this has been something that's been around for thousands of years. Uh, and even uh, Pontius Pilate, while he was trying Jesus, while he was trying to see whether he was guilty or not, once uh, asked, what is truth? Right? And so this is a question that is asked a lot in our culture, uh, that's been asked for lots of centuries. And so against this backdrop of confusion, of uncertainty, we are told that the God of the Bible is truth, he reveals truth, and he acts truthfully. And so that's just going to be, that's just... What we're going to talk about um, those three things: um, that God is truth, reveals truth, and acts truthfully. And so, uh, the first is that God is truth. Um, let's see. And so, God is. Tr- what does that mean? That God is truth. That He's not like He doesn't just like speak truth, but that He is truth. Um, and the way uh, people of uh, people people talk about it is that God is true. In a metaphysical sense or in an abstract sense, in the sense that God is the only one who conforms to the perfect image of what God should be like. So let me let me try to draw that out. So this is like this is like a picture of what God should be like. And this also is equal to equals the God of the Bible. And so in that sense, like God is the only one who can who conforms to this definition of what God should be like. All other gods, all other religions have like little bits of overlap. But ultimately they cannot they're not perfectly conforming to what God should be like. And so the God of the Bible is the only one who is truth. Uh, he is the only one who perfectly conforms to God's um, and so before, well, let's just read some, a couple of verses. Um, let's see, let's start with Yvonne. Can you read Jeremiah 10? But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Yeah, so we're told that God is the true God as opposed to, I don't know, like false gods. <clears throat> and that He's the everlasting God. He's eternal. All right, and so, I mean, like, a couple attributes. These are some attributes that needs to be true of God, right? He has to be the true God as opposed to a false God. He has to be, like, real and living, uh, right? There's no, that's another attribute, living God. So if he's not living, then that's, he's not really God, right? Um, so he's a living God. He's true God. He's an everlasting God um, because if God were not everlasting. If he were able to die, then he would be less than God. He would be mortal. Um, and so God, Jeremiah says, he uh, embodies all these attributes. 
Uh, one more verse. Uh, Hannah, can you read John 17? Um, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, the everlasting, uh, this is eternal life, that you know the only true God. There's only true God. So that this is, there's only one God, right? And so there can only be one God. If there were two gods who were both infinitely perfect, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, then one God would have to ascribe glory to another other than himself, right? Like that. In that sense, they wouldn't. I don't know, this is a picture of two gods. One, two. Um, in that sense, one wouldn't be ultimately sovereign, right? And so, there can only be one true God. There can't be more than one. Uh, and so, so, God of the Bible is the one that fits that. Um, does that, I wonder if does that help us to understand all the passages in the Bible that talk about God um, glorifying <coughs> self? Mm. or um, defending his glory or is jealous for his name. Yeah, so... Because uh, it sounds like to the modern... Yeah, I mean, if I said, I must defend my honor, I'm jealous for my glory, you would say, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but God says that of mm -hmm. himself. And so it, um, we wonder why is it wrong for us but not wrong for God. Right. Uh, does anybody want to take a stab at that question? The question is... I asked you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I know the answer. I'm just trying to... Like, <laughs> um, so, right, if, if there is one God... Uh, this is a picture of God. Or we're breaking the commandment to make idols. Uh, if there is one God, right, um, then all other things are less than God. They're, they cannot... I don't know. These are lesser things. Uh, and then that says God, the reason why he's jealous for his glory is because he isn't, so these are people, he doesn't, he's not okay with us glorifying other things. He wants all the glory. And then that, uh, that can seem kind of selfish. I think that's where you're getting yeah. self-serving. It seems like really vain. Uh, but I think John Piper was really helpful in um, unpacking this. He says that the fact that God is for himself is for our benefit. If God was... If God was willing to give us anything other, if he was willing to let us be satisfied with these lesser things and not in himself, then he would be okay with giving us something lesser than what is best. And the best thing that God can give to us isn't riches, isn't comfort, isn't food, but the best thing that God can give to us is himself. And so the reason why, and so the fact that God is jealous for his glory, the fact that God is not okay with us living in idolatry, living in sin, and the fact that God is uh, going to like pursue us and make us worship Him uh, means that we—that's that's a tremendous comfort. That's a tremendous assurance because we know that He's for us. He's going to give us the best thing that He can give to us possibly. All right. Um, <laughs> any questions so far? So I mean, and I think not just that—not just for our benefit. That's true, mm -hmm. but that God is being true to who he is because he is all glorious and to not be for his own glory is to deny the truth that he is the one ultimate glorious being mm -hmm. um, like it's, it's good for us to be modest because we're derivative creatures but it's not good for God to be modest because um, then he would be denying what is truly beautiful 
I feel like that's um, sometimes hard for us to grasp. Mm -hmm. <coughs> <coughs> Do you guys grasp that difficult concept? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yes. Alrighty. Okay, we'll, we'll go on. Um, and so the converse then is that all other gods, right, these other idols, anything that is, uh, these other things are not true because of these areas, right, of these parts where they're not really conforming to the picture of what God should be like. Um, and so, let's see, Nathan, can you read Psalm 115? Their idols are silver and gold the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Right, and so we're told that these idols are the work of man's hands, right? of work of human hands. So instead of being the creator, these things are created, whereas the true God should be a creator, right? That's another attribute that should be true of what God is like. Uh, so these are created things. They can't smell, they can't see, they can't feel, they can't move. And so these are all things that, so they're, they're, they can't do a lot of things, whereas God is able to do all those things. Um, and so in that sense, all other idols are not true, they're false. Um, but God alone is true, um, in a metaphysical sense. He is true. Um, and so, any questions before we tackle the first objection? I don't want to take you too far afield, mm -hmm. so feel free to bat it down if you feel like it's coming. I'll just redirect it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, uh, if that's true, you know, that all these idols are lifeless and mute and dumb, and the true God speaks, and He's He's life. How come we're so attracted to these um, inanimate, dumb, lifeless mm. idols? Like, what's the what's the appeal? I I don't struggle with that. But what about you? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any thoughts about why? Yeah, if these things can't even really answer, or they're like powerless, they're blind, they're mute. What's the appeal in worshiping them, of going to them? You can actually see it. So they're visible? And why is that appealing? So you can relate to something you can see. Okay, it feels more relatable. Any other thoughts? They're usually like good things, right? I know. What do you mean? Like, um... I know too. <laughs> like they're usually um, things that are meant to be blessings. Oh, um, like uh, rain or something like that. No, like <laughs> family, uh, uh -huh. family, a job, like um, I don't know, uh, friends. Mm -hmm. But then I think, like what Jeff was saying, they're visible and it's. Uh, sometimes it's immediate, but mm. I think uh, they're appealing because I think they are good, but it <clears throat> doesn't last, so it's not like 
cold and good. <laughs> I think yeah. that makes sense. Well, I'm also wondering if part of the appeal isn't the fact that we can also control these gods mm -hmm. in a way that we mm -hmm. can't control the real god. Um, mm -hmm. It's like that C.S. Lewis saying, right? Um, god is not tame. He's good, but he's not tame. And so we can't tell our, this god what to do. He tells us what to do. Mm -hmm. We're not in control. But with these idols, mm -hmm. because they're dumb and mute, we can do whatever we want with them. It's actually a way to be lord of our own lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's like the matter of like who's like on the throne. Um, I think a lot of times like we don't want to worship God. We don't want to um, submit to someone else. We want to, we want ourselves to be on the throne, and so we want to be able to control things. So when we when we are able to like do rain dances, or when we uh, work harder at our jobs so that we can make more money, so that we can feel like we're in control of our own destiny, so that we can feel secure and not have to trust in God, not have to believe that He's going to provide for us, or all these things. Um, I think that's it's it's just a matter of like who's who we're worshiping, right? Yeah. Because I mean, if if we worship the one true God, He could ask us to do anything. He could take us down any path, and it's really scary. Um, but if we can, if we have these lesser gods who are which are idols, we we're in we're in the driver's seat. And we can, we're in control to to a big degree. <laughs> yep. You're only hoping my analogy. Okay, um, so um, that's what it means that God is true. The first objection that comes up then is then who decides what God is like, right? Because we're saying that these are the attributes of what God should be like. And then we're using the Bible to say, okay, look, see God fulfills these things. Isn't that like a circular argument? Um, who decides what God is really like? And, and for us to say, God decides, therefore he is God. That That's like... It feels like we're just going around in circles. Um, and so, is God is God really true? Uh, and the answer, are they, does anybody want to take a stab? Anybody have guesses? Well, the answer is yes or no. <laughs> That's confusing. Um, so, yes, in a is sense... Is the question, is it circular? Is yeah. It so, it is circular in one sense. Um, can, you, can you unpack that a little bit? Yes. Why is it circular? Let's see. So we're basically saying um, this is, uh, let's see, what God is like. This is, we're saying, okay, what is God like? And we're saying, uh, look at the Bible. Let's, the Bible has answers. And we're saying, God of Bible. Is like God. Now we're saying God. God is God. <laughs> I don't know if that's a fair drawing, but basically we're saying that we're trying to figure out like, oh, what is God like? What is a true God like? And then we're saying, well, let's look at the Bible. And then we're saying, the Bible has the Bible tells us what God is like. And then we're saying the God of the Bible conforms to what God is like. Therefore, the God of the Bible is God. Sorry, is it? Let me, Maybe a quicker, faster circle would be, how do we know who is God? <laughs> God tells us who is God, but that's uh, yeah. the question, right? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's better. Wait, that's not a circular argument. Yeah, because we're saying that, so it's like me saying, um, 
well, how do we know God is like God tells us, and then God, God is God. And so that's like me saying. So what, what you have to do is you have to assume the God to whom you're trying to determine if he's God. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if I were to write a book and it said, this book is the best book ever. And then in the book I wrote, the best book ever. And then I gave it to you and I said, see, I'm right. <laughs> That that doesn't that like because I'm the one saying it and then I'm the one giving the definition for it like it doesn't you know that's circular right uh, but is that what's going on here? And your answer is yes and no. And the answer is yes and no. It's yes, God. It is a circular argument because because who is going to tell us what God is like? Uh, we cannot come to we cannot try to presume to tell God what He should be like, right? So this is a definition of what God is like. Uh, this is like a, what God is supposed to be like. Uh, and so who who decides? Is it man or is it God? Well, if, it, if God tells us, then it's a circular thing, right? It is. But, then, the, but the other problem is, if we tell God who he is, mm-hmm. or we get to determine, then God isn't God. Right. So that puts us in a in, a, in an even worse pickle. Because if we tell God what He should be like, then God is serving us. Then we are not submitting to who He is or what He's revealed to us to be true. But we're telling God, we're only going to worship you. You you are only true if you comply to these things. If you submit to these uh, truths that I want to be. I don't know. Just call me. Can you challenge that for me? Okay. Um, and so, this is, wh- this is how we know what God is like. God tells us what He's like. Um, but it's also, so it's true in that sense. Any, any questions about that? I don't know if, that's, if you guys are tracking with this. I feel like that's so deep because that God is the only being to which that's true. Mm, you want to elaborate? Um, <laughs> <laughs> because God is the one true ultimate being, only he himself defines who he is. Um, nobody else has that position or status. And so nobody else can define themselves. Everybody else depends on an external standard or somebody better or greater or some sort of consensus or community to define themselves because they're not the ultimate being. But only God can tell us this is what you should look for in a God. I'm God. <laughs> um, and yeah, o- only God can can give us this kind of circular argument. Yeah, because if I were to again, like going back to the example, the silly example, of I like, feel like we're in philosophy 101 right now. <laughs> uh, the the example of like, I, I, if I were to say, I wrote the best book in the world, in the history of the universe, and then I wrote in the book best book in the history of the universe, and I gave it to you, you would of course not believe it. You would say, this is baloney. This, you know, you don't get to decide what is the best book of the universe, right? Like, uh, other people are going to decide, right? And so, because, because I'm not infinite, because I'm mortal, because I'm finite, I can't tell people, I can't make a circular argument, and that holds true. But only for God can he say, like, he can tell us what he's supposed to be like, and then he fulfills that, and then that's true. Does, does that make sense? Are you guys tracking? Who's who's confused? Who? 
So absolute truth has to, a part of it has to be, a lot of it is faith then. Because it feels like... What do you mean by faith? Because in order to get into this uh, truth ar- circular truth argument, much of it is faith believing that God is who he says he is. Um, faith as opposed to what? Uh, as opposed to like saying another religion says the same has the same sort of circular argument of like why their God is uh, God and, and ours is not. So mm. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, let's just. It, I think it's easier for now if we contrast between uh, Christianity and like irreligiousness, uh, because the if you don't buy this circular argument, then what you're essentially saying is that. Um, instead of God deciding who he's like, we should decide what he's like. And we are like consumers who get to decide what attributes of God we like or don't like. And so the alternative then, so if this is faith, there's like no real alternative. This is like arrogance and presumption, right? No, but, but I think Harry's question is still valid or is still significant because, like, let's take Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in Islam, um, the, uh, the God of the, of the Quran says, I am the one true God, and this is how you know, because it's in the Quran, right, right. and I wrote the Quran, and therefore I'm the one true God. Isn't that the exact same argument of Christianity? Um, and I think this gets you to the no part. Yeah. So, in this sense, it's, yes, it is a circular argument. But in another sense, it's no. Right? And the reason why it's no is because it's not like... It's not like God is just, like, he wrote a one-sentence Bible book, and he said, like, uh, oh, okay, go back, going, going back to this. If I were to say, like, this is in the book, this is the best book in the universe, and I were to give that to you, like, like that's so visibly not good. Um, whereas God, um, if you look at his attributes, if you look at him as a whole, he is, like, so good. He's, he's just, he's good, he's loving, he's caring, he's... Uh, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's all these things that, like, appeal to people, uh, in a way, that, uh, like, he's, because of, because he is true, because he's put his image in us, like, we can kind of, like, distinguish, like, we can kind of tell that there are aspects of God that are true. So, like, even if you look at culture, even if you look at movies, even if you look at, like, what, what people think is good, like nobody think it, nobody thinks it's good to be unforgiving or to be so uh, just to like punish people for the sake of like retribution. People think that you should you should be about restoration. People think that there should be grace. Um, and then on the flip side, nobody thinks that you should be you should just forgive everybody. People believe in justice. People believe in these like people believe in. But I think that's definitely true. But you still haven't gotten us out of Islam. Then. Because doesn't Islam still affirm like you know basic morality, just like Christianity? Well, there's there's aspects of Islam that don't right. Um, so like with respect to like grace or with respect to forgiveness, uh, it's about like just like earning everything. Okay, wait, can I? Can yeah, I interject? please. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is a really exciting concept. Um, this is Christianity. This is Islam. Okay? In Christianity, okay, it's a circular argument. God says, God self-attests, I am who I am, believe me, and that's how we know he's God. In Islam, it's the exact same thing, right? And so they're both circular. 
In fact, the very nature of truth has to be circular, or else, again, then God is not really ultimate, right? God is the only being who self-attests. The difference between Christianity and Islam is that in Christianity, his circle is really big, and Islam is really tight, right? And so... This is the difference. Jesus is historical. Do you see? Do you see? So, <coughs> circular argument, God gives us historical pegs to validate whether it's true. Does that make Are there sense? no historical pegs in Islam? I'm not very... Um, in Islam, the, the one miracle that Islam claims is the writing of the Quran. Again, that's a very tight circular argument. The proof of Islam is that the Quran is true. The Quran is true because it testifies to the one true God. Christianity says the same thing, which is that the Bible is the word of God because it's true, but it gives us one extra peg. Actually, I would say it gives us a lot more extra pegs, but it gives us one extra peg that Islam does not, which is it gives us the resurrection of Jesus. Muhammad did not resurrect. Um, Muhammad ascended up into heaven, but this was a private miracle. Nobody saw it. Nobody was there. There's no attestation. Whereas Christianity says the resurrection of Jesus was a public event to which hundreds, if not thousands, participated as witnesses. Does this, do these circles make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and so, yeah, in that sense, uh, it is circular, yes, but at the same time, it's not just, it's not just like so circular that we should just rely everything purely on like, yeah. what, what the Bible says. Like, we have been given other uh, pegs. That's what um, like uh, Mormonism says, right? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever talked to a Mormon try to evangelize to you. They'll say, um, just read the Book of Mormon and you'll know it's true. I'll say, how will I know it's true? And they'll say, you'll feel a burning in your bosom. So you'll feel some kind of like psychological experience that <coughs> testifies that it's true. Now Christianity doesn't say that. But Christianity does say something similar in that the Spirit will illuminate your heart. But it doesn't just say, it's just sort of like a psychological trip. It says, we know it's true because Jesus resurrected from the dead. <laughs> right? The um, Mormonism, Islam, no other religion has a historical claim to which a person in history claims he's God and has a public historical event to testify to that claim. Yeah, so it seems like Christianity has both the subjective and objective facts, whereas exactly. other religions are merely it's subjective. Purely subjective, yeah. <clears throat> Any questions? This was, was yeah, that that helped me. <laughs> I don't know that you guys. All righty. Um, let's go to the second part of it then, which is that God not only is truth, but that He uh, speaks truth; that His words are truth. And so, let's see. It says, not only is God Himself truth, but He reveals truth. He speaks it, and His revelation is the standard. Of truth. Uh, let's see. Ashley, can you read Job 37? Hear this, O Job. Um, stop and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God lays his hands upon them and causes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? Yeah, and so God is not, God doesn't only equal truth, but that he knows. He knows all truth. He is perfect in knowledge. He knows that this is truth. 
he knows it and he speaks it and he reveals it. Um, let's see, we'll just jump to Dan. Can you just read John 17? Sure. Uh, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is true. Yeah, and so it's not just um, when it says God's word is truth. It's not just that there's like some standard of truth. Here's God. And there's truth. It's not that his words are somehow meeting this standard as if God were to try to attain, as if there's like some higher truth other than God. But it's that God's words, his words, are the, like, our truth itself. And so it's the standard of truth. He, his words give us uh, what is true and the conversation of what is false. Does, that, does this make sense? These two ideas. All right. So God, so God is truth, and He speaks it. Um, and so, let's see, let's go to the next objection. Objection number two states: uh, Let's see. A lot of people have a hard time accepting this claim of absolute truth. It feels too exclusive to to say that certain beliefs are true and all others are wrong. Let's, uh, let me just talk about this again. Uh, so God. Right? And I'm sure you guys have heard something along this line, right? That, that people say things like, um, all truth is relative. Or it's narrow-minded that Christianity is the only true religion. Yeah. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get to that one next. Okay. But all truth is relative, right? And so what, what does that mean? That means basically that um, there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is more like kind of... Uh, there's like... An elephant story. Oh yeah, Harry. What's the elephant story? Um, there's like blind guys, right? Look, uh, feeling different parts of the elephant, and then one says it's a big snake. One says it's like a tree or something. And one says it's tail. I don't know what it is. I don't know something furry. And then so they all they all feel this thing, and then they're like, okay, truth is this. Truth is this. Truth is this. But they're all blind. They don't see the big picture of what the elephant really is, and so they don't know how to. So they're it. feeling different parts of the elephant and coming to the wrong conclusion. Right. But they all have a part of the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the guy who's touching the tail is like, oh, he's like, it's like long and like a snake. The one touching the nose is like, it's like thick and massive and sucks air. And, you know, touching the base is like, it's like it's like you know big and round and like a tree trunk. Um, so the idea that like nobody, nobody, you know, nobody has, but then they're all touching the elephant, right? And so the the, the, the objective is that you know everybody is pretty much everybody has like a grasp of the truth, and they're all kind of like different aspects, but they're all true. Another one is the mountain. Oh yeah, you guys know the mountain. They're like all different religions. They're all going to the top. They're all going to the same place. Um, but that different religions or even, I guess, irreligiousness, they're all leading to the same place, which is something higher than any one religion in of itself. Um, and so how do, we, how do we, what does the Bible have to say about these things? Um, okay, so <laughs> basically the, the problem with this is that this right here is a truth claim, right? Uh, it's saying that all truth is relative, but this claims to be an absolute truth. This claims to say that, like, if, if all truth is relative, even this statement would be relative, therefore the statement wouldn't hold true. 
But because it's making an uh, it's making an absolute statement, it is it's it's false. Right? Um, see, truth is inherently exclusive. Right? It's like saying um, like one plus one equals whatever you want it to be. No, like there's one answer. Um, that if if there is truth, it has to be exclusive. And the problem with these examples is that there is nobody who, who stands as an outside observer who can see the elephant, who can see the blind people, who can see the mountain, who can see um, the different roads. Everybody is on the ground. Everybody is blind. Everybody is there. Nobody has the vantage point of trying to, of presuming to say that they can see everything. Uh, and so even the person who makes these claims, they are somewhere here and they think that everybody is like touching the same elephant, but it's not true. Uh, and this like statement is, it's like, it's inherently contradictory because uh, all true, like you can't say that there is a God and there is no God at the same time. That That's impossible. That's logically, it doesn't work, right? To say like there is God, there is no God, there are many gods, whatever. Um, these are all mutually exclusive statements. They can't all be true. Uh, and so the, it's impossible for, for for all truth to be relative. It, it can't be possible. And so yeah, when people say all truth is relative, that's, that's a very weak statement. Uh, that is, in itself is, you can't make that statement. <laughs> Any questions? Any thoughts? Have you guys heard this before? Stuff like this? College campuses? I'm sure you have. Okay. Um, let's see. And so truth has to be exclusive. And the way we know truth, again, going back, isn't by what we feel subjectively, but based on what we've been, what's been revealed, and based on the, his, uh, the objective elements of Christianity. Already, uh, and this is really popular, especially with like you know, uh, modern like movements of like tolerance and uh, people don't want to be judged. People want to live their own individual lives, and so they say things like you know, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. And they, they you know, it's like a way to get out of having to be accountable. Um, so the third objection then is that let's say let's say that there is truth. There is truth. But it's not in Christianity. Christianity is too exclusive or too um, narrow-minded. Or, uh, but I found this quote to be really helpful. Oh, well, let me just read this. Others concede that there is truth, but that it doesn't line up. Religion is one huge ruse. Uh, but this is extremely narrow and it's arrogant. Uh, Christianity, however, offers a more liberal view. And so, what does that mean? Tal, can you read that huge paragraph? Yeah. I've been asked to tell you what Christians believe, and I'm going to begin by telling you one thing that Christians do not need to believe. If you are a Christian, you do not have to believe that all the other religions are sim uh, simply wrong, um, although uh, all through. If you are an atheist, you do you do uh, you do have to believe that the main point in all the religions of the whole world is simply one huge mistake. 
If you are a Christian, you are free to think that all those religions, even the queerest ones, contain at least some hint of truth. When I was an atheist, I had to try to persuade myself that most of the human race have always been wrong about the question that mattered to them most. When I became a Christian, I was able to take a more liberal view. But of course, being a Christian does does mean thinking that uh, where Christianity differs from other religions, Christianity is right and they are wrong. As in arithmetic, there is only one right answer to a sum, and all other, uh, other answers are wrong. But some of the wrong answers are much nearer being right than others. Yeah, and so this this objection that Christianity can't uh, be the only truth, uh, that maybe it's, it, uh, this, I mean, this one is specifically geared towards atheism, uh, because it's too narrow-minded. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that it's, uh, Christianity is more liberal. And what does he mean by that? Uh, basically, he's saying that when it comes to God, when it comes to the theology, that uh, Christianity, we believe that there is the truth, uh, this is pro- theology proper. And that, that other religions come close, even the queerest ones, right, he says. Queer in a weird sense, not. All right, even the queerest religions uh, have a hint of truth because uh, they believe in some aspect of God. Um, and so in that sense, we, we don't have to, like, uh, we don't have to tell everybody that they're wrong completely, uh, but then... I mean, we can like be more gracious. We can we can see the aspects of their religion that are good and pure and right, uh, but we where there but where there is no overlap, where they are outside of the circle, we tell them that they're wrong. Atheism, on the other hand, first of all, like the truth is, you know, people say things like, um, you know, we're we're progressing. Uh, in the ancient days, you know, people didn't know any better. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna find the answers. It's in the science. It's in it's in uh, all these things, so it's like science, we're constantly progressing. Um, and so it's not even like a, uh, a concrete truth, it's a permeable thing, right? Theories come and go, things, ideas change. And then the problem with atheism is that, uh, like C.S. Lewis says, um, I, had to pers- I had to try to persuade myself that most of the human race had always been wrong about the question that mattered to them most. And so they, they have to believe that all the all the major religions, like most of human history, right? Like, I mean, this is like year two thousand maybe, and from like sixty, I don't know, BC, that everybody has been essentially wrong about the question that matters to them most, and they have to take this position where they are in the minority, where and they have to tell everybody that they are completely wrong. Whereas Christianity, we can be more gracious, we can be more. Uh, liberal in saying that there is truth even in the weirdest religions. Does that make sense? What's he supposed to say? Alright, and so in that sense, Christianity is more liberal. Christianity um, and offers these truths. And so it is a standard truth. Any questions, comments, concerns, rebukes? Alrighty. Uh, oh, shoot. Okay, I'm just going to go through this quickly. And so, if it's true that God, He not only is truth, He not only speaks truth, but that He acts truthfully. And when He acts truthfully, He gives us His word, and He is true to His word. And in that sense, He's faithful. And so, faithfulness flows out of God's truthfulness. And so, God has given us 
sets of promises, and he is he is true to them. Uh, I'm just going to read uh, Hebrews. Oh, let me start with Titus. He says, Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. So, God, before the ages began, promised eternal life. And he has fulfilled it in Christ, uh, in history, in time. He's come down and he's fulfilled his promises. And Hebrews 6 so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And so what he's saying that, uh, what the author of Hebrews is saying is that because God has made this promise, because God has promise it according to his unchangeable character, un- according to his unchangeable nature of his purposes, we can have encouragement, we can have hope that God will fulfill and has fulfilled his promises to bring us eternal life. Uh, eternal life being knowing God, right? We talked about that in John 17. <coughs> and so because God is true and he's faithful to his truth, his promises um, that's the gospel. If God were not true, if God were not faithful to his word, then we would have no hope. Uh, we would be uncertain. We would have no sense of assurance that we uh, have been adopted as sons, as heirs. But because God is true, because God is faithful to his word, uh, because of these things, we can have insurance. We can have hope. We can live knowing that God is going to, uh, not only has he fulfilled it in the cross 2,000 years ago, but that in the, uh, the, in the age to come, he will continue to bring to fullness, to consummation his word and his promises, the gospel. That's just to get every... You have to end with the gospel. Um, well, let me close for us. We need to run back. Um, Father, we thank you for your character, for your truth, uh, that we can have strong and a steadfast hope in who you are and in your word. Uh, we pray that as we go and hear your word preach, as we worship uh, with song, we pray that uh, that those things would bring joy, uh, bring ecstasy to our hearts. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.